Hola, buenos días. This is Henry Darrow, Manolito from High Chaparral. Also, I'm the only actor who ever has been in three productions of Zorro, playing Zorro on the animated series Zorro. I did Zorro and Son for seven episodes for Disney Studios years ago, and then playing the father on uh, the new Zorro with Duncan Regeer for the Family Channel. Luckily, I won an Emmy for Santa Barbara soap opera, and I'm going to be your next guest on screen and beyond. It's a pleasure to welcome you all. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It's time for episode 210 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is your weekly look at what's coming your way as far as new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the TV, movie, or music industry. This week, we take our annual look at the summer movie previews. It's coming your way in theaters this summer. We're going to talk about it. And my guest this week on On Screen and Beyond is Henry Darrow, who played the popular character... Manolito Montoya on the High Chaparral. And he also was uh, Zorro and Zorro's father, and he did three different shows for Zorro. So he's got a lot to talk about. Henry's got a book out, too, and it's called Henry Darrow, Lightning in a Bottle, from uh, written by Jan Pippins and Henry Darrow. So he's going to talk about that, going to talk about a lot of stuff. So stick around. It's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen or Beyond. And uh, unfortunately, this past week, we lost two TV icons, Dick Clark. Uh, everybody remembers him for American Bandstand and his Rockin' New Year's Eve also. But uh, some people don't know that he also, at one time, ventured into acting. And he starred in a movie called Because They're Young. So you might want to check that out. He played a teacher in that one. And uh, he had guest appearances on TV shows, including Ben Casey, Branded, Honey West, and Lassie. So uh, he didn't do that for very long, but he... Um, Still made it big. And we uh, also lost Jonathan Frid, who was uh, remembered as the role of Barnabas Collins on Dark Shadows, the 60s soap opera. They will both be missed very much. And it's time to check out what's coming your way as far as the summer movie season. Which ones will be a blockbuster and which ones will be a flop? That's for you to decide. Remake Madness Summer Movie Releases is next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, summer movie previews. Well, it looks like on May 4th, the Avengers jumps from comic books to the big screen with the Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and others. And on May 11th, Johnny Depp stars as Barnabas Collins in a new look at Dark Shadows, the 60s soap opera. And May 18th, the game Battleship blasts its way into theaters as a movie. June 1st. Snow White and the Huntsman takes a dark look at the Snow White story. June 15th, Rock of Ages jumps from the stage to the big screen with Tom Cruise. July 3rd, look for the amazing Spider-Man as it gets a remake treatment. And on August 3rd, Colin Farrell stars in a remake of Total Recall. That's it for Remake Madness coming your way this summer. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Summer Movie Preview continues with new movies with new ideas. 
The summer movie preview continues on On Screen and Beyond with new movies and new ideas. It's May 16th. Sasha Baron Cohen brings us his comedy once again in The Dictator. And Anna Ferris and Ben Kingsley also star. May 18th, you can look for Cameron Diaz to star in What to Expect When You're Expecting. May 25th, The Chernobyl Diaries by the man who gave us paranormal activity takes a group into the abandoned city 25 years after the Chernobyl nuclear reactor disaster, only to find they are not alone. June 8th, Ridley Scott, director of Alien and Blade Runner, brings us Prometheus, in which a team of explorers discover a clue to the origins of mankind on Earth, and they end up trying to save us all. June 15th, Adam Sandler stars in That's My Boy. It's about a teen who fathers a son until he's 18 years old. And then, after he leaves, many years later he returns to reconnect with him. June 22nd, a new Pixar film comes our way called Brave. It arrives with a story set in the Scottish Highlands where a girl goes against tradition. June 22nd, you can check out Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, from the producer Tim Burton. And on June 29th, you can look for Channing Tatum. He uh, takes up stripping in Magic Mike. July 13th, Mark Wahlberg stars in Seth MacFarlane's story called Ted. It's about a man whose childhood teddy bear that comes to life and refuses to leave his side. That's it for new movies with new ideas. And that's it. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond... Sequel City, coming your way this summer. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, that's coming your way in the summer movie preview. This summer we have got a boatload of sequels coming your way. May 25th, Will Smith returns in Men in Black 3. On June 1st, look for Piranha 3 Double D. June 8th, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, arrives and on June 29th, G.I. Joe Retaliation continues the story of G.I. Joe. On June 29th, also look for Tyler Perry's Medea's Witness Protection. And uh, that hits theaters on that date. July 13th, Ice Age Continental Drift returns with Ray Romano and Dennis Leary. And on July 20th, The Dark Knight Rises to continue the stories of Batman. And on July 27th, Step Up Revolution dances its way into theaters. August 3rd, The Bourne Legacy comes to the big screen once again. And July 3rd, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Dog Days, continues. And on August 17th, The Expendables 2 arrives with Stallone, Willis, Norris, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, Jet Li, and more. So, those are a bunch of heroes coming your way on August 17th. Coming up next, we got a hero who was one of the heroes of the High Chaparral. Henry Darrow is going to be joining us, and he's he's such a great guy, and he's got uh, uh, stories to tell us, and he's got a book out. It's called Henry Darrow, Lightning in the Bottle, written by Jan Pippins 
and Henry Darrow. So he's got a lot of things to tell us about that. He's got a lot of things to tell us about uh, when he was on Manolito on the High Chaparral, when he played Zorro and all that stuff. It's all coming up next. Stick around right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining me today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor whose career spans generations. In the 60s, he starred in The High Chaparral as the popular Manolito Montoya, and in the 90s, he was Zorro. Today, he joins us to talk about his career and his book, Henry Darrow, Lightning in the Bottle. It's Henry Darrow. Henry, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. I thank you so much. It is a, such a pleasure, Henry, to have you on the show. I can remember as a kid watching you as Menolito on the High Chaparral, and it, it, it's just a thrill to have you join us. Oh, it was great for me for the four years that I was there. The first year was the most special year. Uh, Roberto Contreras used to cook his little meat specialties uh, uh, over an oil can. <laughs> and uh, High Chaparral had... Uh, didn't didn't have quite the following, and then all of a sudden it hit quite well. Uh, we are the uh, recipients of David Dortort, who had produced uh, Bonanza for so many years, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed that following, and uh, it, it, it made quite a difference. We'll get into the High Chaparral and Zorro and all of that stuff, but I, I, first I want to talk a little bit about your, your book that you have out. Oh, yes. Uh, there's a lady named Jan Pippins mm-hmm. from, uh, from Louisiana, and she, co- she, she, she wrote a book about me called uh, Henry Darrow, Lightning in the Bottle. And uh, I first got in contact with her with an article she had written for the High Chaparral News that involved Don Collier, who was in the show, played, played Sam Butler, uh, Bobby Hoy, who played Joe, and myself, and it was just conducive. It was warm. It was full of energy, and so we got together uh, to write uh, a biography about me, and it took a little over a year, and uh, it, it finally turned out, and uh, I didn't realize how much, well, I'm going to say junk I have done. <laughs> it was amazing. All the different series, all the different soap operas, the uh, the soap opera Santa Barbara for a couple of years, and I I lucked out to get an Emmy, and I mean I played the uh, the older Latin couple with myself and a beautiful Latin actress named Margarita Cordova, and it was just it was wonderful. So is it difficult to look back? over your career and, and, and think about all the things. And like you say, you know, all of a sudden you're saying, wow, I did that, I did that. <laughs> well, yeah, in a, in, a, in a way, but this is like a whole revival. Mm-hmm. It was like, I did that? <laughs> what was that movie? When did I do that? And uh, Jan has written a whole synopsis as to when I played what and the dates. And all of a sudden it's 55 and 56, and all of a sudden it's 80 this, and it's 90 that, and I'm doing Zorro 
again and again, and it, uh, it it's just it's a wonderful feeling to relive and to go over uh, to go over things that you've done in the past and things that you unfortunately have forgotten. Right. Yeah. How did you come about things that happened on the high chaparral? Was it to sit down and look at memorabilia you have, or or did you have to? No, there was no memorabilia to deal with. Uh, it was I had done some plays, and I I always had loved Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet. He was an open faced fun loving guy, and then he had some serious elements of Iago, which is another. Um, uh, Shakespearean character in Othello, and I tried to combine uh, the upness and the darkness of Iago and the upness of Mercutio, and and I hit a, a fine line somewhere along the line, and then people, reviews came out and, and would say things like, Henry Darrow in his part, the way he closes his eyes, and looks quietly at the distance and sees what's happening. And people didn't know that uh, I had a weak left eye, <laughs> and that I closed it. I had to close it. Otherwise, uh, it would have closed on its own and on purpose. Mm -hmm. And there it was. Uh, I, ha I had something uh, that I figured, oh, I didn't realize that this, uh, 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 negative thing was a good thing, and the next thing someone would ask me, "Well, how do you do?" And I said, "Well, my character sort of has this kind of quality, and he closes his left eye because..." And, and these reviews and these excerpts that people wrote about were were delightful because it gave me a, a hook as to what it was that I did, mm -hmm. yeah. and then finally you. After the first year, you get into that. You get into that solid mentioning of your character, and you feel solid, and you feel, oh, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> so, and I got to mention in the book, it's it's over 350 pages long. Oh and, my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and some and some books I've read, the print is is kind of large. So if it's a three hundred page book, it's not too bad. But the print <laughs> is very small on this. So this is like a oh, five, is? oh yeah. So this is like a five hundred page book. <laughs> I mean, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just my my age. I'm getting harder to see here. <laughs> oh no no no! But it's a fascinating book because there's it's so a much good book. She oh she's yeah, written so well. And, and and my friends and people who have responded to it said she just keeps it interesting. Oh yeah. And yeah. she went from High Chaparral to Zorro to Santa Barbara and one episode after another and and again I say after looking over what I've done I didn't realize I had done that much. Yeah. Jeez. It's like holy cow. <laughs> and and some of the things she mentions all of the episodes, and it was like, my God, when the hell did I do that? <laughs> and then a memory clicks, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Geez. I did that decades ago. Yeah. When you were just a, a child in school, was it your set idea that you wanted to be an actor? Or how did I that come think about? at an early age, uh, in the public schools in New York, uh, I played... 
plays. Mm-hmm. I remember doing plays in, like, I'd go to an auditorium and there'd be a handful of us that would do parts. And I never had fear as a child and as, as going through school and then high school, it seemed to be something that I could do and that I had um, a, a preference from teachers who gave me stuff to read and that was always good and they were good to me and it was like, oh, okay. And then I, I felt, and then the English, uh, in English classes, uh, I did extremely well, particularly in reading and things like that and even in the history classes I did well because I would read. Mm-hmm. So I never had a fear. I was always out there reading, um, sort of acting, and uh, it, 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 it made a difference. Uh, and then, unfortunately, uh, at the university, I, I was just a C student. And then all of a sudden I won a, a, a scholarship to the Pasadena Playhouse, mm-hmm. and I had over three years at uh, at the university, and so I had credits that could go for a degree. And all of a sudden, I became a B B plus student, dealing with uh, with everything that had to do with uh, with drama. Yeah, when you find what you like. Yeah, that's, that's and what was strange was that. Uh, to deal with theater in California at the Pasadena Playhouse in the 50s was like, oh God, here comes another Playhouse student who's more, who's more addicted to stage. And it wasn't until uh, I realized that the, uh, the, the, the work that I did there uh, really helped me hitting my marks and all of that that uh, that I wound up learning and using uh, uh, as, a, as a young actor in uh, in, um, in television. Mm-hmm. And then you go through all of the series, and then you become you become more adaptable in working in uh, in shows, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that's that's what happened. I. Yeah. I became a little more artistic in what I did, and and then I realized that sometimes if I stopped the action and said to the director, "I'd like to do this scene," it reminds me of my father, and I'd like to, and then they would say, "Oh, Henry, please, we don't have time for this," you know. So you learn to shut up. And just do your job, and, and and that amounted to a lot after a number of years. And then doing different series, they they all had uh, they all had different things that they did. The one I did in Spain for three years that had to do with the new uh, Zorro, and I played Zorro's father. Mm-hmm. And I had done an animation for Zorro, where I played Zorro, I replaced Fernando Lamas, and then I did a series called Zorro and Son for seven episodes or so for Disney. So I, I've had a history of 
of Zorro. Zorro's in your blood. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just love him. Yeah, it is. and I, I remember an interview I did with the producers. I got up on the stage. I uh, got up on his desk and almost fell off. And uh, <laughs> it had to do with the Zorro who was over the hill. Mm-hmm. And he said, "That's it. You're doing him." Wow. <laughs> I was semi falling off and talking, and oh, it was. It was great. Uh, all the kinds of things that, that you hear and do and you don't know how you're going to register and then life goes on and you go on to the next project, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now, when you, you've you done stage and you've done movies and you've done oh, I love and TV. Yeah, which, which is uh, the closest to your heart? I think stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I did was My Fair Lady. Uh-huh. And uh, that was uh, announced in um, in uh, Darrow, the uh, lightning in a bottle, and it caught me in the beginning, uh, just sitting backstage alone by myself, mm-hmm. uh, going over my lines because I could no longer have that fine memory I used to have where I could turn and joke around, and the next minute I'm in the scene up to my neck. And that all changed as I got older, and the memory was slower, and it wasn't as easy to come back from something. And it was uh, it was an eye-opener. Mm, yeah. You said you did some soap operas. And Santa Barbara, General yeah. Hospital... Yeah. yeah, a number of soap operas. Were you su- uh, I had good parts in some of them. Yeah. Were really you surprised did. when you when you were nominated for an Emmy and you won it? Uh, yeah, because I was the oldest guy on board, and it was like, well, they're going for the old guy. But uh, <laughs> there were some young fellows that were coming up, and it was like, well, their turn hopefully will come. But, but for now, I won, and... <laughs> I won the Emmy in support, and A. Martinez won for first lead, and uh, he he gave the uh, the board some scenes between him and myself. He had always used Marcy Walker in his scenes, who was his co-star, mm-hmm. yeah. and they always went with her. And the first time that he he recognized me on it, he uh, he got it. He left her out of the out of the play, and he won because he was that good. Now, did you mind the grueling schedule of the daytime soap operas? Uh, I couldn't quite take it. Uh, it was too hard. You're doing a one hour show every day. Yeah, jeez. Luckily. Uh, they, Marcy and him, said, Henry, uh, don't worry about it. Let us handle it. If you go and forget, don't don't say, I'm sorry. Just keep on going, and we'll bail you out. And so they did in the beginning, and then I finally f- found my own, my own roots to trust and to function with, and uh, it was a, it was a great time. I had a a wonderful time with them, and then I got to go to different parts of the world, and I went to, uh, oh God, Brazil and wow. Spain. Uh, it was it was great. Yeah, 
Yeah. They give you an education that's well beyond your years and experience. It's, it's just wonderful. Well, one thing I notice about every performance that you do, you have a very commanding presence. I, I enjoy that, and, and, and that's, that's what I try for. Uh, I, I want to impress. I want to make... I want to make a difference, in the, and usually doesn't happen awful, but when I replace someone, it's not just, oh, Hank's going to take so-and-so's place. It's like, I'm going to come in and hopefully turn things around and go from there. And that has happened only on a couple of occasions, and I always feel, yeah, I have that, 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 added, that added situation going for me mm-hmm. yep. and if I'm lucky that'll happen and sometimes it doesn't yep. when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the High Chaparral, of course, humongous popularity on that show when you oh, played God. Manolito. Did you get a lot of fan mail? And was it difficult oh, yeah. to go out in public? I got the most fan mail. I got the most fan mail. Really? I, I, I'm not yeah. surprised. <laughs> and and uh, the, the kid who played Billy Blue, mm-hmm. he did exceptionally well. Billy Blue uh, was, uh, well, he was the blue-eyed, uh, he was the blue-eyed wonder. Yeah. And, uh, and I, he appealed to nine- and ten-year-olds and I was the uh, the standard for twelve to thirteen year olds. <laughs> we were in modern screen magazines. Oh, we were in a a bunch of things, and uh, it's just the whole delight of things. And and I I wound up going to Sweden because of the show. Wow! And I had heard from Michael Landon that he had been to Sweden. And I asked him, what did you do? And he said, well, I sang a song, I broke a few guitars, <laughs> did some stunts. And so I took for the next four to six months, I worked with uh, a guy named uh, Madlock, Buddy Madlock. He played guitar, and I worked out uh, a whole skit, and I learned some songs in Swedish, Hmm. including uh, a young Rancho Grande, and uh, I learned some of them in Swedish. I learned Swedish statements and things. And uh, I had some things that I had to be reminded by the producers that you you can't say that, and that uh, Norwegians were worth this and the Swedes were worth that. And, And one of the things I made a mistake about how to do had to do with Norwegians and Swedens, and so I had to kick back and go, "Whoa, I can't say that." <laughs> and uh, but 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 basically, it was lovely. Mm, yeah. It was a wonderful situation. I made more money in that ten days than I did 
the next two years in Chaparral. Wow. And I use whips and all kinds of things and the old-fashioned uh, rodeo tricks and stuff. Yeah. Shooting a balloon with your gun and it takes five seconds to get there and then pop the person who held the balloon of course had a pin and then it finally went off and there were different things that occurred yeah huh. and it all worked and uh, i was on, i was on i was on top it was great yeah now how did you get to the part on high chaparral david dortor the producer saw a production of a play called the wonderful ice cream suit by ray bradbury mm-hmm and at that time, <clears throat> I had used my real name, Henry Delgado. And he saw that play. He, he had come looking for someone else. He saw me in it. And the next thing I know, uh, he had been looking for me for quite a while. And uh, he did not know that I had changed my name to Henry Darrell. And the next thing I know, I'm in his office. They've tracked me down. They saw that I had changed my name from Delgado to Darrow. And I walked in, and there was the head of, uh, the head of NBC, uh, the, 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 the producing uh, director, etc., people from High Chaparral, the head of the network in terms of casting, and I was in. And I had about a 15 to 20-minute conversations and uh, improvised and spoke about the, the, the character. When I finished, uh, I said, uh, well, what do you think? And they said, uh, you're it. Mm-hmm. And it was just as simple as that. I mean, it seemed simple at the time, but then, then came the first shot that I did on location, and it was so-so. All the Indians in the world were attacking Chaparral, etc. And then came a secondary scene with me saving life, Erickson's life. And I shoot an Indian off a rock that's about to kill him. And I did my smile routine <laughs> and uh, reloaded my gun with smoke coming up my face. And uh, everybody said, that's the guy we want. Hmm. And I was lucky. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get hurt doing any stunts or anything? Uh, no. A couple of times I tried the sugar bottles to hit me on the head, and that didn't work. And another time I fell through a table, which was made of balsa wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it spiked just across my right eye, Ooh. a sliver, and. After that, I said, that's it, no more. <laughs> let no the more. professionals do it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll let the guys who get paid to do this for a living. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the table came up so quickly. Huh. The next minute, it was right on top of me. It was like, holy cow, what is this? Yeah. And luckily, uh, from then on, I'd have Carl do more. I learned from Carl Petty, who... Uh, was my double. He was 10 years older than I was, shorter, but uh, but I copied his technique in writing. He was a whip artist. He was a knife thrower. So I, my character expanded because of him. Hmm. I, could, I could actually use a whip. One time I whipped a knife out of a young Indian's hand. 
unfortunately, the knife came towards me, and with that, I just tossed the whip away. I said, that's it. You mentioned about the character developing. Were you able to help develop the character, or was it strictly the writers and directors, and that was it? Uh, The writers uh, having to do with the show was a man named Denbart Petterclerk. Uh, It happened to be his favorite character, Manolito. And so he he just created a a wonderful, uh, wonderful character. Cleveland Amory, who was um, a reviewer uh, for TV Guide, said that I laughed too much in the pilot, but then a couple of weeks later said I should be up for a Emmy, I should be up for an Emmy with all of my smiling and laughing, etc. <laughs> so they they let me to my own devices, and uh, that 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 worked out. That, yeah. that that really worked out. Yeah, it did. That's that's for sure. I mean, you were just so popular on that show; it was unbelievable. It was amazing, and, and the popularity in other countries, in, in New Zealand and England. Yeah. It was just wonderful. When you saw the character, when you first tried out for it, did you ever think that it would become so popular? Oh, not at all. Yeah. I I came into the office, and in the ante room was Linda Crystal, who who was beautiful and younger, and, oh, she was so gracious. And she said, I I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm up for the part of your brother. And she said, oh, okay. And uh, little did I think that I would get it and then work with her for all of these wonderful years. And they would have special scenes for us where we could improvise. They needed 15, 20 seconds, 25 seconds, and then let us improvise in Spanish. And that was a delight. Mentioning some of the other casts, what was it like working with Cameron Mitchell? Cam was, uh, he was a bear. He, he, he was a real wonderful scene stealer. He made things happen. Uh, if, if he was interested in the part or the role he had, he could be incredible. And when he wasn't, he just, it, 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 was, it was like, okay. He was, he was okay. And uh, he, uh, oh, he had marvelous situations. He and I once did a, a little pilot thing, uh, two episodes, Friends and Partners, and another one where the network was thinking of um, shooting it off as, uh, as another part of the show. But back then in the 60s, you didn't do any offshoots from a show. You just followed the show and you stayed with it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, we were... We had separated. We wound up getting a cabin together, and uh, one of the things uh, was we got into the cabin, and there was uh, dirt, and that was a mess, and there was chicken bones, and uh, Cam came in and said, "Ah, oh, this is great," and he starts chewing on a wing or a something, a bone. <laughs> And Mano, you want some? And I go, this is this is horrible, senor. And uh, so that started it off. That hit it off. And it went on for two episodes. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would be a new series. Uh, unfortunately, it was not. 
at that time, uh, you stayed with what you had. Yeah. And what about Leif Erikson? Uh, working with Life was the best. He was very solid, very professional, very straightforward, and he uh, he gave you everything, and that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So solid, he was always there for you. What about Mark Slade? Mark Slade had a kind of uh, Marlon Brando-ish kind of quality about him, and, and he was the, he was the soft-spoken son who was always in trouble with his father, and then I was in trouble with my father, Frank Silvera. Mm-hmm. We had one wonderful episode where we were both in the lake talking about our fathers, and we uh, we, we, we just realized, oh boy, we have problems with our fathers. And our the father relationship between me and Frank Silvera was, the European style, uh, he he would turn to me and say, "You, you have been messing around with women," and I turned to him, "Yes, but I am like you, father," <laughs> and I'd walk out the door and he'd throw the book at me. So there, 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 there was there was that kind of wonderful challenge. As far as Zorro, we talked a little bit about that, that you did it three times. Yeah. Zorro was a big part of your life. Did you like Zorro before you actually got the part? Did you... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That I replaced Fernando Lamas to play the voice of Zorro in the animated series, 13 episodes, mm-hmm. with the Lone Ranger and Tarzan, and then got to be Zorro and Son, which was... a uh, Sitcom. I showed the pilot to Gary Marshall, who had produced Happy Days. Right, yeah. He said, if they continue with you and and uh, and your son, they'll be okay. But if they start playing around with it, it will make it. And he was exactly right. They hmm. started playing around with it. And it just never, never became a serious contender for anything. Yeah, yeah. And then when I played Zorro's father, I replaced Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Uh, it was called The New Zorro with Duncan Regeer, and he was just magnificent. I've never worked with another actor who was as disciplined and uh, and, and forthright as a, as a character, and uh, he was Zorro. Yeah. Do you enjoy playing the swashbuckler like that, or more of yes, the... Yes, I enjoy the swashbuckler. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be more of the swashbuckler, but uh, as I got older, I, uh, my swashbuckling quietly disappeared. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Unfortunately. Now, yes. with all you the... Swa- uh... You swash and buckled less. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With all the the shows that you've been on, the you know the, the High Chaparral and Zorro, have you ever been able to keep any of the props or the costumes that you had on those shows? Oh, I did. I, I kept some gloves. Uh, really? I kept some masks. Uh, a bunch of different things. I mean, what was surprising when I finished Zorro and Son, I went back to my dressing room and they had ripped off. They had ripped off my clothing. 
Hmm. Took off the hat. I kept the chaparral hat. I sold it for four or five hundred dollars last year, hmm. and um, I just have a, 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 a saber. That's a rehearsal saber that I use from chaparral. Yeah, yeah. And I have some of uh, a couple of uh, oh, what do you call what you uh, when you do a western and you put what on your on your uh, on your heels spurs spurs yes yeah, I, had, <laughs> I had a set of spurs and those uh, I still have them somewhere in a closet wow yeah. I have to find them <laughs> and then I had some clip-on spurs that I had rounded out that weren't uh, that weren't conducive to hurting uh, a horse and those were spurs that I would clip on and would use on the off-stage side of, uh, of a shot. Yeah. To get the horse going or not going, et cetera, et cetera. And I used that. And I, I had a, a very aggressive horse the first year called Diablo. And he was part Arabian. And he was just too much horse for me. He'd turn when people would leave. He'd do things on his own. But then I got a beautiful horse called McAdoo. And uh, he, he was quiet, and he uh, was a great dialogue horse. He was a little tiring uh, during the summer, working out there in Tucson. Mm-hmm. He could uh, go along the road, and then gradually his head would uh, would lower, and he'd fall asleep. <laughs> I had to perk him up at times. <laughs> Were you a horseman before the show, or did you Not learn for the show? Not at all. Uh-huh. That was the most important award that I got. It was from a, hor- a horse uh, horseman magazine. And they, uh, the the one the, the the editor or something said, "Your acting is okay. We like it." But damn, we have to say you have improved as a writer, <laughs> and I had worked on it. Yeah, I really had, and that was one of the things I, uh, I took pride in. Now, did they know that you didn't know how to ride when you took the job, or did you say, "Oh yeah, I oh, can do"? Oh, they that. they trained me for a couple of uh, month or two. Okay, so they they knew ahead of time. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now. As far as you, of course, you've been on other shows, um, and one of my one of my want to just talk about uh, for a minute is you were on the new Dick Van Dyke show back in the seventies. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, how was it working with, with Dick? Uh, with Carl Reiner. Yeah, and Dick and Hope Lang. It, it, it was it was good. I had a good time. Yeah. And, and also, right after that, when you did um, Harry O for a little while, right? Harry O was wonderful. That was uh, David Jansen, correct? David Jansen uh, was great. David uh, stopped drinking for a while, and then he'd have a cocktail around lunchtime, and then at <laughs> 3 o'clock he'd have another one, and then at 5 he'd have another one, and finally his head got buried in his jacket, and you could hardly understand him, and he turned to the sound man and said, uh, take care of this because I'm going to, come back and loop this <laughs> but it was always a pleasure working with him uh, he, he was a wonderful kidder and 
he was quite a character. He, I mean, he 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 made eight parties. Hmm. That was his thing. Yeah, yeah. Geez. That's one thing I wanted to ask you about um, High Chaparral. Was the 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 set a fun set? Did you uh, uh, was there a lot of joking around on the set or anything oh, like that? Oh yes, yeah. Well, practical it was a jokes. fun set that first year. Then then it got a little more serious as the as it became work. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it became a little more wary. But in the beginning, it was just a delight and a pleasure. And, uh, I just had a what I thought was a ball. I want to finish up with just a couple more questions here. Go ahead. One thing is, I understand that you're quite a chess player, right? I used to be, uh, I had an 1800-something this was in my younger years, and I have done. Uh, I had done um, simultaneous play with fifteen or twenty people, and wow, and, uh, against young players. And when you play young players, uh, they don't give up, and uh, they wind up beating you. <laughs> but uh, then I, I wound up co-owning a chess club in Eagle Rock, California, and uh, Bobby Fisher hung around where they were playing a tournament one time. He was outside. He wouldn't come in. And uh, we had uh, an international tournament at the place. And the uh, co-owner was an Englishman who had flown for the RAF. So I've, I've had a good career. And then I played Boris Spassky. Yeah, I was going to ask you, who, how did that come about? And, and did you win? Well, I was supposed <laughs> to play uh, Julio Caplan, uh, a Puerto Rican uh, grandmaster in Sweden. And he wasn't available, but uh, Spassky was. And he played with me. And he played. He had about 25 seconds left on his five-minute clock. And I had two and a half minutes. And he said, you play well enough, I offer you draw. And I accepted, of course. <laughs> and I told him years later, Are you, oh, I got a draw from you. He said, no, I don't know offer draw. And then I get, showed him the article, and he said, oh, okay. <laughs> he signed a photograph, and I still can't find it. It's somewhere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So did you start playing chess when you were real young? Is that uh... Oh yeah, my father was uh was at the master level. Wow. He beat the champion from Puerto Rico, et cetera, et cetera. I beat the junior champion. Mm-hmm. He he was a good chess player. He beat Alakine, who was the world champion at a simultaneous at the Grand uh, Armory in New York many, many decades ago. Wow. Um, I have a background in, in that, and uh, things that interest me and that I was more interested in, and backing tournaments, and then all of a sudden, uh, you just don't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Two final questions for you. Go ahead. When you kick back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows, new or old? What's your favorite TV shows of all time? Huh. I used to like MASH. Yeah, it's a good show. It just never. Um, I, I, I watch news shows. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I like them. And 
the credible. In the mornings, I just watch one morning news show after another. Yeah. What about movies? What's your favorite movies of all time? I still like Casablanca. I still like uh, the uh, Orson Welles, uh, Citizen Kane. Classics, yeah. I like I like old movies with Paul Muni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used to work for Warner Brothers. Uh, there was a director named William Dieterle, and William did Juarez and Emil Zola, and Paul Muni was in all of those. One time or another, he did wonderful photos. I mean, uh, wonderful uh, characterizations. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, Henry, I want to let everybody know that they should go out and get Henry Darrow, Lightning in the Bottle. Oh, thank you. And uh, it's it's a great book. It's a lot of fun to read, and uh, it's always interesting to hear your stories. And uh, they've heard a little bit here, but I know they can get into that book, and there's tons of stories in there. Sounds good. Yeah, and I thank you. And I thank you, Henry. Thank you very much for doing this. Goodbye. A big thank you going out to Henry Darrow, thanking him so much for taking the time to talk to us and sharing his stories with us. Henry was Manolito, and I just loved him on that show. He's a great character, did a good job with that uh, that uh, role, and, of course, everything else he does. He's such a fantastic person. And check out his book, Henry Darrow, Lightning in the Bottle, okay, by Jan Pippins and Henry Darrow. It's a great book. It's got all kinds of stories about uh, Henry in there, and uh, I got it right in front of me here. I'm just flipping through it. So, uh, but there's, it's, it's just a great book. A lot of pictures. He's got some uh, pictures of when he was on uh, uh, different shows and everything, and uh, it's just, just, it's filled with all kinds of information. So check it out. In bookstores now, of course, go to onscreenandbeyond.com and go to our book nook. We'll have a link there. Of course, uh, for the week that this is up, there's going to be a link right on the front page where you can go and get that book. And uh, check it out because uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting and it's a great book. Well, what else do we got here? Uh, sponsors. If you are going to be buying anything and uh, you see our sponsors on our website, um, if you want, go through when you make your purchase online Go through our website, okay? And it helps us out. It supports us, too. We'll get a little something for that. So uh, we'd appreciate that if you would do that. And if you're on Facebook, like us because we are there. And uh, I'm always putting different things up there. Probably not as much as I should, but, you know, I try to get as much as I can on there. So uh, if you want, go ahead and like us. You can get to us. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you know how to get there. But if you want, just go down on our webpage, onscreenandbeyond.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, and we have a link right there for you. And uh, let's see. I guess that is about it. Oh, suggestions. If you have a suggestion for somebody you'd like to hear on On Screen or Beyond, email us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and I will try to get uh, that person on for you. All right, and that is it. That's a wrap for this week. Next week, we got another fascinating guest coming your way. And until then, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 